If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live. Cutting through the clutter, this is the Misty Winston Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, hey there, and welcome to the Misty Winston Show right here on today's News Talk. And yes, the shop is available. All kinds of cool stuff over there. Shirts, hats, coffee mugs, bumper stickers, you name it. It's over there. Even stuff for your pets. Go over, get you some stuff. Uh, the holidays, again, as I keep saying, I'm panicking ever so slightly. I'm doing better, though. Almost, I've almost got it, y'all. I've almost got it. Uh, uh, it's been a little bit stressful this year, uh, but we, we're almost done. We're, we're almost there, y'all. Uh, but ho- the holidays are coming up, so if you need to uh, do some holiday shopping, head over to TNTradio.live uh, and check out the shop over there. Tons of cool gear. Um, I really want the puffer jacket. I'm trying to convince my husband that that needs to be one of my Christmas gifts. So if anybody uh, wants to nudge him in that direction, that would be helpful. Um, um, also, don't forget video streaming now available on all the video platforms. Um, uh, it's been live for about a month or so ish. Um, uh, so just help us get the word out. Let people know that that's also available. Obviously, we're still on all the podcast apps as well. Um, but the video streaming is super cool. It is so fun. Although I'm not going to lie, I do miss being able to do my show in my pajamas. That was fun. Uh, but it is cool to be able to see everybody's faces, to be able to have that uh, the video uh, as well. So definitely check that out. Okay, um, just to give you a heads up as to what is coming for next week. Um, I'm very excited. We have a great week lined up. I know I say that all the time. I mean it every week. We get great people on this show. Uh, so Monday, we have Ryan Christian from The Last American Vagabond. I love him. He's fantastic. Um, he's been doing great work on Israel-Palestine and a whole host of other issues. So it's always fun to talk to Ryan. He also talks really fast, and those are my people. Uh, so I love Ryan. Uh, Tuesday, we have Jessica Fenske. You may know her from Twitter as Forest Mommy. She's hilarious. Uh, she just ran uh, for city council in uh, District 4 in Colorado uh, in Arvada. Uh, unfortunately, she was not successful, uh, but she did learn a lot. So we're going to talk about that um, and how uh, local politics can really be beneficial. Um, Wednesday, my friend Rome Bathia from Revolutionary Blackout Network is going to be here. He's fantastic. He does a lot of um, legit on the ground stuff. He does like diaper giveaways and clothes drives. Right now, he's currently building a library. Yeah, uh, he's building a library in his neighborhood in Detroit for the kids there. Um, so he does a lot of great stuff, and I can't wait to talk to him. Uh, Thursday, we did get Vanessa Bealey rescheduled, so that'll be excellent. Hopefully she's feeling better. Um, uh, everybody knows I love Vanessa. And then uh, Friday, we have David D'Amato coming back to the show. So another great week of shows, uh, 5 p.m. Eastern right here on TNT Radio. Do not miss a moment. Uh, set an alarm or mark it on your calendar, whatever you need to do. Um, okay, really quickly, I wanted to read an article here from our friend Kyle Anslone from the Libertarian Institute, libertarianinstitute.org. They are in the middle of their winter fundraiser. Uh, please go check them out if you feel so inclined. So the title is Joint Investigation Finds Israeli Tank Shell Killed Journalist in Lebanon. We've been talking about the very obvious attacks on journalists in uh, Gaza, uh, in Palestine in general, um, and this is just a, a confirmation of that. So it says, a joint investigation by Reuters, AFP, Human Rights Watch, and Amnesty International found on October 13th, an Israeli tank conducted a lethal attack on journalists in southern Lebanon. Since October 7th, Israeli military operations have killed and injured scores of journalists across Lebanon, the West Bank, and Gaza. The investigators concluded that an Israeli tank shelled a group of easily identified journalists. Reuters videographer Isam Abdallah was murdered. Uh, uh, agents France Press um, uh, photographer Christina Assi was severely injured. Other journalists from Reuters, AFP, and Al Jazeera were also wounded. Dylan Collins, an AFP videographer who was with Abdallah when he was killed, said, quote, we felt safe, we felt secure, so we got to work. Seven journalists, all of us wearing flak jackets and helmets, everyone clearly marked as a member of the press. The Israelis knew we were there from the moment we arrived, end quote. AFP said in its report that 
that, quote, the strikes were deliberate and targeted, end quote, coming close together in time and space and hitting journalists who were, quote, clearly identified as press away from any military activity, end quote. Uh, Ramzi Kais, a researcher for Human Rights Watch, said the evidence reveals, quote, that the Israeli army knew or should have known that the people they were firing on were civilians and journalists, end quote. Human Rights Watch and Amnesty International called the attack a war crime. Yes. Uh, Reuters editor-in-chief Alessandra Gaioni uh, commend, uh, I'm sorry, condemned uh, the killing in a statement and called on, quote, Israel to explain how this could have happened and to hold to account those responsible, end quote. Quote, uh, lethal attacks by the IDF against journalists are not uncommon. In May 2022, Shireen Abu Akleh was murdered by an Israeli sniper in the West Bank. Abu Akleh was with a group of other journalists and wearing recognizable press equipment. We've all seen it. The blue vests very clearly marked. Uh, a committee to protect journalists, CPJ, report found that at least 13 of the 20 journalists who were killed by Israeli forces between 2001 and September 2023 were, were quote, clearly identified as members of the media or were in, inside vehicles with press insignia at the time of their deaths, end quote. More recently, the Israeli military operations in Gaza have killed dozens of journalists. Since October 7th, 56 Palestinian and three Lebanese journalists have been killed. Four Israeli journalists were killed during a Hamas attack. Additionally, 11 journalists have been wounded, three are missing, and 19 have been arrested. Human rights groups are warning about the high death toll among journalists. Anthony Ballinger, the uh, general secretary of the International Federation of journalists told the Associated Press on Friday, the killing of journalists in Gaza is unlike what uh, what has occurred in other war zones. Quote, in a war, you know, a classical war, I can say that in Syria, in Iraq, in ex-Yugoslavia, we didn't see this kind of massacre, end quote, he explained. CPJ said the war in Gaza produced the deadliest month for journalists since the group began keeping count. Quote, the Israel-Gaza war has taken a severe toll on journalists, which has led to the deadliest month for journalists since CPJ began collecting data in 1992, a statement said from the group. Reporters Without Borders warned journalism was being eradicated in Gaza. The group said, quote, journalism is the process is in the process of being eradicated in the Gaza Strip as a result of Israel's refusal to heed calls to protect media personnel, end quote. So uh, just wanted to bring that to you. Uh, we've been talking a lot about the very, in my opinion, obvious targeted attacks on journalists. Uh, and this is just uh, uh, something that really solidifies that that's actually taking place. And uh, frankly, I think that the numbers that are listed in this article, no slight to Kyle, obviously he's fantastic, but um, some reports are saying uh, over 70, we're nearing 80 uh, journalists who have now been killed uh, since this, uh, since October 7th. So um, it is, and it's in my, and that's not including their family members who have also been targeted we've, as we've seen uh, several times since October 7th. So, um, okay, don't forget, you can follow me over on the tweeters at Sarcasm Stardust. Um, I am taking the weekend off of social media though, so I will not be there. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you can also check out the Substack, mistywinston.substack.com. There is a write-up for the guest of the day every day. So you can find, follow and support their work as well. And if you would like, you can shoot me an email at mistywinston at tntradio.live. And don't forget, there's many ways that you can listen to TNT Radio. You can stream us direct from the website, again, tntradio.live, right on your desktop, tablet, or mobile device, or you can download the app from the App Store. It's available on the Apple App Store as well as Google Play, and we even stream live and now on video uh, on YouTube, Rumble, and Odyssey. So we've got you covered right here on TNT Radio. The latest headlines waiting for you. I follow the news pretty much throughout the day. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
All right. This week, Florida Surgeon General Dr. Joseph Latipo, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, demanded federal health officials shed light on the discovery of DNA fragments in the Pfizer and Moderna COVID-19 mRNA vaccines that are, quote, hitchhiking into human cells, end quote. So here with this story, joining me now is TNT Radio News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. Once again, my friend, I'm feeling very good about my decision to not get vaccinated. (laughs) Right. I know. Uh, I know. I know. Right. Um, So this is this is I love to see this is a much different experience with the state's um, surgeon generals than during the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Now, of course, uh, Florida's surgeon general, uh, Dr. Joseph Latipo, uh, has been known since the pandemic to be, you know, crying foul against some things, including the, um, the face masks. Uh, but this is interesting um, because this is treading dangerous waters when you do this kind of stuff, attacking the almighty holy sacrament that is the jabs. Shocking stuff, um, what's been going on with those things. So I'm glad to hear that a respected, hopefully will be listened to official, is sounding the alarm. Uh, so he wrote a letter, uh, Dr. Ladapo did. He asked Dr. Robert M. Califf, that's the commissioner uh, for the FDA, to address the findings by researchers um, about the hitchhiking DNA, uh, <laughs> not good stuff. Uh, he also uh, included in the letter Dr. Mandy Cohen, director for the CDC. In his letter, he writes, quote, I am writing to you to address the most recent discovery of host cell DNA fragments within the Pfizer and Moderna COVID-19 mRNA vaccines, end quote. Of particular concern, he noted, was, quote, the presence of nucleic acid contaminants, end quote, in the approved monovalent and bivalent mRNA jabs, which were detected, quote, in the presence of lipid nanoparticle complexes and simian virus 40, SV40, promoter enhancer DNA. Uh, He goes on to Note, quote, lipid nanoparticles are an efficient vehicle for delivery of the mRNA in the COVID-19 vaccines into human cells and may therefore be an equally efficient vehicle for delivering delivering contaminant DNA into human cells. The presence of SV40 promoter enhancer DNA may also pose a unique and heightened risk of DNA integration into host cells, end quote. Clearly not my area of expertise, Misty, but that doesn't sound good. Uh, he has, uh, Dr. Ladapo has raised several concerns with the FDA. Um, of course, they were the ones who were ultimately responsible under Trump, by the way, for approving the shots uh, and the CDC over the COVID-19 vaccines. He's also criticized the rollout of shots in September, saying there wasn't sufficient clinical trials. Earlier this year, he raised the alarm with the FDA about Florida observing a 4,400% increase in reports of life-threatening conditions since the rollout of the mRNA jabs. Uh, So he, in his letter, he, he, this was just a couple days ago, by the way, this was fairly recent. Uh, He cited FDA guidance from 2007, and he noted in the letter the potential risks associated with DNA integration. There's that scary word. He emphasized the need for a comprehensive assessment of the risks of contaminant DNA integration into human DNA, particularly given the wide biodistribution of mRNA COVID-19 vaccines. So I take this as a as a good sign that maybe maybe we can start 
maybe, hopefully, crossing my fingers, people, that we're going to get some answers about this stuff. But I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I don't also not my area of expertise, to be fair. However, um, I think that it's likely that eventually and we've already seen, right, some of the some of the answers, some of the information has been trickling out. Uh, and I think that we will likely see that continue. I just don't know that it's going to make a difference, Adam. I think that eventually uh, some of this stuff is going to, uh, you know, trickle out. It'll be leaked out here and there little bits at a time over the course of years. Um, and it will do very little uh, in way of uh, forcing any accountability. We see this all the time i mean it, just look at julian assange julian assange has revealed how many things about how many people and there's been zero accountability unless you want to include the the guy that published the information being prosecuted i mean that's the only person who's really seen any accountability and that's what happens all the time they do something horrific um they hide it the best that they can for as long as they can eventually information starts leaking out uh but it seems as if people just can't be bothered to care at that point and i think that you know everybody moves on to the next thing right um and uh it just feels as if that happens all the time and there's never any account. I am very glad though that you brought up that this uh that the the shots were under Trump um because I cannot tell you how tired I am. Listen, my Trump supporting friends, um I'm not here to fight with you about your support for Trump, but at least be real about it. At least be uh at least stop hiding from the reality of Donald J Trump. He did he was not perfect. He is not perfect. If you want to support him in spite of those flaws, that's fine, but stop deluding yourself. It was under Trump that these things uh, were forced upon us. And in fact, he's still bragging about it. Uh, the guy is still bragging about these vaccines and Operation Warp Speed. So it's just very frustrating when people hide from that reality. But yeah, this is um, not surprising. Again, every time something like this comes out, I cannot help but like do a little cheer internally uh, <laughs> for not having gotten myself or my kids vaccinated. Uh, I don't even like calling them vaccines. They're not vaccines. They're injections. Um, so yeah, I just I think that, Adam, we will probably start to get some answers. We will probably start to see more and more of these types of things, uh, this type of information. Um, Will be leaked out or released or somebody will uh, like this guy in florida will start asking questions and little bits of information will come out i just don't know that it's ever going to really make any difference and i don't know that we're ever going to see any accountability for this stuff but what do you think oh sure we will but it, it will be like 50 years down the road at least i mean take <laughs> this was just in the news last week i think it was australia uh the thalidomide thing um th this was a drug so I, I think i'm saying this right the thalidomide and it, it it was sold in like 40 something countries um australia was one of them but just last week they were in the news because their government now uh this was a, a tragedy that took place going back in the 50s and 60s uh, there were birth defects, so people were born with like shortened limbs and other horrible deformities. And now the government, uh, on behalf of uh, the, the fact that this was running around in their population, has just now, in 2023, apologized. Oh, we're sorry about that. You know what? Okay, so I imagine we're going to see the same same kind of thing. You know, maybe yeah. 50 years down the road, God willing, if we're all still here. Um, chances are, unfortunately, the victims of the jab probably won't be, uh, but we might get an apology one day, Misty, and we have that to look forward to. Oh, boy, an apology. And it'll, it'll be an empty apology, meaningless, uh, and it, but no accountability. That's what I'm saying. Like, that we will get, uh, like you said, eventually, yes, 50 years down the road, we will probably, there will be some bombshell report where a lot of this stuff is revealed. And somebody that had nothing to do with it whatsoever, maybe somebody who wasn't even born at the time, uh, will make some vapid apology for all of the lives lost and all of the uh, injuries caused. Uh, and everybody will move on about their lives and nothing will ever happen to any of the people who are alive today.
day who are responsible for these kinds of shenanigans. So it's just very depressing. But I mean, listen, not to diminish, I'm glad that Dr. Ladapo, Ladapo, I don't know. I'm sorry, my guy, if I'm pronouncing it incorrectly, uh, I, my apologies, but I'm glad that he's at least asking questions. And I'm glad that this is being talked about. Um, I just, it's, I'm such a cynic when it comes to this stuff. I just don't feel like we're ever going to get any accountability from these people. Um, but who knows? All right. Well, uh, thanks for bringing us this story, Adam. Uh, we will talk to you again on Monday. Have a great weekend, my friend, and hang tight. We're going to be right back with our guest here on TNT Radio. Jeremy now on TNT Radio. Being South African. I know the situation and it's incredibly dire. Basically, our farmers, mostly white, have been under attack for years and years and years. And when I say attack, I mean that physically, don't I? Yes. Um, since the dawn of democracy in South Africa, since 1994, we had an average of uh, one farm attack every second day. Um, so it averages around uh, 175 to 190 farm attacks every year. And we had a farm murder on average every fifth day. Um, but over the last few months, both of those numbers have picked up. Murders in other sectors of society are not accompanied by the same levels of brutality and torture as you will find in farm murders. Jeremy now on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Right now, the forgotten poor are waiting for healing and care, for life-saving medical care, for a chance to live with dignity and hope. They are waiting for Mercy Ships and you. Mercy Ships is the largest floating civilian hospital in the world with volunteer medical staff and crew who donate their time to save lives. And now, as our newest state-of-the-art hospital ship sets sail, Mercy Ships will double our ability to reach children and adults who need us now. Without the work of Mercy Ships, these patients don't have another option. Mercy Ships is answering the call to serve suffering people who have nowhere else to turn. Together, we are going to some of the world's most desperate places and bringing a wave of hope and healing to those who need it most. Thank you! Thank you! To learn more about this wave of hope, go to mercyships.org today. Plug in. Website. TNTradio.live. Check it out. Today's News Talk Radio. It's the coolest. TNT. It is, in fact, the coolest. All right. Our guest today is James Rogowski. James has been calling out lies and propaganda for decades. Uh, He has been doing invaluable work on COVID since all of the insanity kicked off. Uh, And for the past 18 months or so, he has been laser focused on exposing the WHO, the so-called pandemic treaty, uh, the international health regulations, and all the other various power grabs, lies, and propaganda uh, that they've been using against us in this whole COVID, I don't even know what you want to call it, the war on the pe- on people, I guess. Uh, it's horrifying, as we just discussed. Uh, so, um, and today we're going to talk about uh, some updates about some things that have been going on and uh, some things that we need to be looking forward to. So, James, thanks so much for coming back to the show. Well, you know, thank you for having me. Um, you know, you mentioned, you know, being the coolest and, you know, I may very <laughs> well be, a, I, I may very well be a mild-mannered reporter, but right now, I'm actually hot under the collar. Uh, you know, I don't let it out. Uh, I don't. I don't show my anger and frustration. But I get very upset when I deal with people who are liars. And I just got done watching the WHO's, you know, working group for international health regulations meeting, and there's no other way to describe them. You know, they just are a bunch of liars. I'd love to explain what happened. You know, these past Please. two days. Yeah. Please do. There's a 
there's an ongoing you know, group called the Working Group for the International Health Regulations. They had two days worth of meetings today, which were supposed to be their final meeting that they were going to wrap everything up and submit the documents to the International Health Regulations Review Committee so that they could submit them before the deadline of January 27th, which is four months in advance of the meeting in May. And that four months is written into stone in Article 55 of the International Health Regulations. States, parties, you know, can propose amendments, but they have to do so four months in advance. Well, what they did today was they mostly had a secret meeting on Thursday. They had about a half an hour where they let um, some of the foundations and organizations give their opinion. Then they shut down the cameras. They came back for about 45 minutes today, and they went back on the lies that they told early in October. What they said in October was, well, we're not going to make our deadline, and we know it. And we know that the rules say that we are obligated to do so, but we're not going to bother with those stinking rules. We're just going to. Now, here's what they said in October. They said that, well, you know, we've got these submissions from a year ago. We'll give those to the WHO, which anybody who's paying any attention to this knows that there's been a year's worth of negotiation. Those are old news. Then they said that whatever, and this is the strange language that they used in October, they said, well, whatever is on the screen on December 7th and 8th. Now, that's bizarre language. One would have thought that what they meant was, well, we're going to be having you know, negotiations on the 7th and the 8th, and you know, whatever the status is at that moment in time, we'll send a document to the WHO. Well, they changed their tune today, and what they said was, well, um, no, we're not even going to present the current state of whatever the negotiations are. They're going to write a little letter to Tedros, and they're working to have a new document before their meetings in February, which are clearly in violation of you know, that four-month period. But then the um, delegate from Monaco, I think, you know, in an unknowing fashion, let a little tiny cat out of the bag. She spoke up and said, excuse me, um, are we not going to submit the version that we got in the during the summer? And I'm like, oh, so they do have an updated version that the delegates were allowed to see that was submitted this summer, which no one has been allowed to see. And they're not going to make that public. They're not going to make that something that they send to the director general, which would then have to be public. But it gets even worse. They asked a whole bunch of questions. And you know, a number of different delegates um, said, in, in regards to one of the things that they had in their final report, could we set up a method by which the nations are allowed to input their comments on the text that the Bureau is going to be proposing. Hold, hold up, wait a minute, something here isn't right. How is it that they're, you know, a year and a half into this process and the member nation-led 
negotiations still don't have a set process by which the delegates can put in comments to be considered to be in the negotiating text, the lie that they have been telling for this whole time, oh, this is a member nation-led process, and here you're at the end of it, and the member nations don't even know how to put in their suggestions. There is no, I mean, how hard is it? You have an email, and they send an email with their text suggestions, right. and you have somebody at the other end of it catching it. The fraud, and, and this is just one of the three aspects that we need to talk about. These are the 300 plus amendments that were submitted back on September 30th, 2022. Haven't even talked about, you and I, I think, talked about last time, the fraud that was committed with the, the amendments that they purported to adopt in May of 2022 which we've come to find out they said that they voted on them, but they never actually did. And so the small batch of amendments where everybody was kind of sort of maybe aware that there was an 18-month deadline on December 1st, yeah. it, it comes to pass that those are actually really null and void because they never actually even voted on them. Wow. And, and so... Going forward with the third aspect of it, which they had meetings Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday on what most people call the treaty, but it's really a framework convention um, going forward. They, they now call it the pandemic agreement. They've been lying in saying that what they're working on is the negotiated text, meaning, oh, this is the text of the document that everyone has agreed to, and this is what we're talking about. But the actual title of it is it's the proposed text for, for the, it's the proposed negotiating text for the pandemic agreement. The bureaus are essentially blocking the input from the various countries, taking input from some other countries, crafting the bureau's language and only allowing it in to the proposed negotiating text if their overlords permit it. Now, this started all the way back in April, where on April 3rd, when they came back from their secret meetings and they closed up shop on a Friday, it was obvious that people were upset. And way back then, what they said was, okay, all of the nations submit your text by April 22nd. And that they would put together, you know, a, a compilation text of what everyone had proposed. Well, what they ended up coming out with on June 2nd officially was the Bureau's text. Well, they've never actually released the 208 pages of all of the text that the nations submitted. What they Amazing. did release then was a 43-page Bureau's text. Well, the nations that had submitted whatever they submitted that piled up to be 208 pages, they were very, very unhappy all summer long. And this is about the agreement. And then they got so unhappy that they demanded that there be a new rewrite of the proposed you know, negotiating text. But instead of going from 43 pages in the direction of 208, it went from 43 pages down to 30. And so, you know, now they're doubly upset. And one of the um, very strong negotiators from Namibia got called home 
because in the previous meetings, um, he said quite a lot of things, and I'll just put it this way, in relation to the Israeli-Gaza situation. Mm-hmm. And so one of their top negotiators is no longer is no longer in the negotiation. Of course not. They don't and want so top negotiators. That's a tactic that larger nation. <laughs> yeah. They don't want top negotiators there, Jane. No, they do not. And, Listen, and so, hold on. Hank, we got we got to take a quick break and get some headlines. But and I'm so glad that you're here because I know that it, all of this is and we've talked about this. All of this is very confusing to me. I'm sure it's very confusing to everyone else. Um, and that's why uh, your work is so invaluable because uh, you, it, somebody has to be paying attention to all of this. And I think it's convoluted uh, it, for a reason by design. They don't want people to really understand what's going on here. Um, and so uh, I want to make sure that we get into some details to really flesh this out for. People. So hang tight. We're going to get some headlines and we're, we're going to be right back here on TNT Radio. Now, 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 TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. According to data from the Kiel Institute, the amount of pledged donations to Ukraine saw a significant decrease of nearly 90% from on of the 2022 to 2023. Mark Mitchell. New Zealand's newly appointed police minister has communicated with Police Commissioner Andrew Coster, outlining the national-led government's firm stance on crime. On Thursday, billionaire Bill Ackman reacted positively to a report suggesting that Liz McGill, president of UPenn, might be facing a request to resign on Friday. We're the pinup boys and poster girls for free speech. We just don't look as impressive as Vladimir Putin shirtless on a horse. Yeah. 24 7, 365. We never stop sifting fact from fiction, misinformation from the truth. From government overreach to the latest on mandates, big tech censorship to propaganda gone mad. Listen to TNT Radio and get the news and views direct from our expert presenters and commentators anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk this is TNT Radio. All right, we are here joined by James Rogowski. And frankly, I love that commercial, but also it's an unfair comparison. Nobody looks as good as Vladimir Putin shirtless on a horse. It's just not fair. Nobody can meet that standard. Uh, all right, so we're James by, uh, joined by James Rogowski. Uh, we're talking about uh, James has been doing phenomenal work, as I've mentioned every time he comes on the show, uh, uh, trying to keep track of all of the behind the scenes shenanigans, the power grabs that are very obviously taking place uh, with the WHO, uh, the international health regulations, all of that stuff. And there's been a lot happening. Happening. James is trying to go through that with us now. There's been a lot going on recently. Uh, so they've been having these meetings this week. Uh, they, you were just talking about how they got this top negotiator from Namibia um, essentially booted because they don't want top negotiators there. Um, so uh, what, what are we looking at here? I mean, what, what does all this mean for us? Well, you know, what we're looking at from the very beginning is insanity because these negotiations are not about people's health. No. Got to, you know, slow it down and, and take it all the way back to the beginning at in uh, approximately two years ago on December 1st, 2021 is when they put forth the directive for these negotiations to start. And they had a special meeting of the World Health Assembly and the core of what they're debating and negotiating is not how do you properly treat a respiratory ailment or any other health issues in in terms of the amendments, if you were to read Article 21 of the World Health Organization's Constitution, the World Health Assembly does have the authority to negotiate international standards for about five different things. Um, terminology, 
Well, they don't have a definition for vaccine or pandemic or words like safe and effective. They're not even talking about most of that. They have the authority to write standards for determining the cause of death. If you look back over the past four years and, you know, you ask, you know, did somebody die with or from a certain ailment? They don't have any standards. They have the authority to write standards for diagnostic testing. And if anybody's looked into this thing called the PCR, it's not even a test. It shouldn't be used in that capacity. They're not negotiating standards for diagnostics. Probably most importantly, they have the authority to set standards for the purity of pharmaceutical and biological products. Well, Anybody who's been paying any attention to all of the many reports of, I'll just, you know, use the technical term, junk that's been found in the jabs, um, they have no standards. And the last thing that they could and should be negotiating are standards for advertising and labeling. Well, labeling includes the insert. And it certainly should be the standard that you can't have a blank insert in any product that doesn't tell you anything about that product when you want people to be informed in order to give their consent. And when governments are spending billions of dollars advertising that something that hasn't been tested and has been shown to you know, definitely cause more harm than any other injectable, for them to be able to say that it is safe and effective is a lie. If you ever hear that phrase, please understand that what they're supposed to be telling you is here are the potential risks and here are the potential benefits and here are the risks and benefits of doing something else or doing nothing at all. To use the phrase safe and effective is blatant fraud. Please understand that that's all, you know, what's to deal with informed consent. And, you know, my personal preference is informed dissent. If you have all of the information you might ever possibly want, but you feel that for you, the risks outweigh the benefits and you say no, then no means no. But they're not negotiating any of that. What they're arguing about is who's going to pay to build a whole lot more biological laboratories and pay for people to use the One Health method, One Health approach rather, to search for, in their terminology, pathogens with pandemic potential. They wanna be able to declare a public health emergency of international concern or a fake if they find a pathogen that has the potential to cause a pandemic. Not necessarily that people are sick and dying, but that they've discovered something, brought it into the lab, messed with it a little bit, and said, oh, we found something in your nose or some other orifice or at your veterinarian's office or in the bedding of your chicken coop or your pigsty or your septic system or your sewage treatment plant or your hospital or anywhere else you could possibly imagine. They want to build a pathogen access benefit sharing system. Now, pathogen access means if you go out into the world and find some pathogen that has pandemic potential and you share it with them, then if the pharmaceutical companies turn that into drugs and jams, 
the benefits that they will share with these relatively impoverished nations are some of the jabs that they make from these pathogens, even if nobody's actually really getting sick from it. Now, what they're arguing about is the intellectual property rights, the yeah. poor nations. And, and here's where the craziness just comes to you know the, the top. The nations are arguing that they want investment so that they can manufacture their own mRNA jabs in their country so that they can use the biological weapons on their own people and profit from it rather than rely rather than rely on manufacturing from the United States or Germany or wherever else you know these products might be made yeah. this is not about health this it is seems like it's trade. the exact opposite. James, this seems like it's the exact opposite about of, of being about health. This seems as if it's about, well, I mean, obviously, as we've talked about, it's about power. It's about they just want the ability to be able to uh, declare a pandemic, lock everybody down, destroy economies, force everybody to get injections, uh, which obviously feeds the profit of uh, pharmaceutical companies. But as you're talking about this, in my head, I'm like this, th like it doesn't even sound real. It sounds like a bad movie, like with these evil people sitting, sitting in a room making these decisions like this but this is i mean it's insane that this is what's actually happening so let's take another quick break hang tight we're gonna be back here on tnt radio give me a minute with tnt radio's steve malsberg uh-oh someone on the staff of congresswoman sheila jackson lee of texas screwed up big time she's running for mayor of houston and well before we get to the details here's how she treats her staff or has treated them in the past when they screw up i need to uh ensure my um Schedule and uh, you know, if, if Google did it, shit ass did it, fuckface did it, and nobody knows a goddamn thing in my office. Okay, now watch this. Houston, I've spent my entire career fighting for you. From fighting to keep our kids safe from guns when I was on city council, to my days in Congress fighting to protect women's reproductive freedom, and for funding for our police, schools, and small businesses. Now I'm running to be your mayor. Because if we're going to bring down crime, fix our streets, and bring good-paying jobs here, then Houston needs a champion who's ready to fight for what's right. And I am. Did you see that at the end? It said, vote on December 7th. Let's put that up. Vote on December 7th. Problem is, the vote is on December 9th. Let me say it again. Uh-oh. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on TNT Radio Vision. My dad was a farmer. The guy was bigger than life. He wasn't someone that liked to show his emotion or liked to show when he was struggling, but we all struggle. I want to show emotion to my kids. It's something that brings me so much joy, and I want them to see me working through things. Allow your kids to know that it's okay to struggle, that even dad doesn't know the answer sometimes, but we're gonna figure it out together. You're with Misty Winston on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, we're here joined by James Rogowski. We're talking about uh, absolute madness, as we were just discussing before the break. Uh, and James, this is one of the things that when uh, when COVID first kicked off, I was, uh, I mean, I was skeptical, obviously. I'm just a skeptical person by nature, but I was open to it being you know, potentially legit and that we needed to be careful and mindful and all of that stuff, uh, which obviously you need to be careful and mindful of your health regardless, uh, wash your hands, all of that good stuff. But um, I, but when it, I think that one of the first things that really set off red flags 
for me was that there was no, as you just talked about, none of these conversations that are happening are about health. And it's the same thing when it first, when COVID first made its uh, reared its ugly head, uh, there was no conversation about, Hey, eat healthy, get exercise, get outside and get some fresh air. There was no conversation about things that you can do to promote health. It was all stay at home and be scared. That was all of the conversation uh, was really being had uh, on a global scale, on, at least in the United States, I think, but really generally globally speaking. But as you're talking about uh, all of these conversations that are taking place about these international health regulations and the who and all of that, none of it's about health. It's all about a power grab. And frankly, you're talking about them bringing these pathogens into the lab and messing with them. That seems like a recipe for disaster, my friend. Well, you know, if you had the goal of stopping the next pandemic, as they profess to do, right, you would do an after event review to see, you know, what actually did happen. And, you know, did you make some mistakes? Did you do some things that worked? You know, what was the benefits? Well, you know, the interventions that they put forth have failed miserably. Yes. And they keep saying that they've learned lessons and, and, you know, they're going forward from what they've learned. But if you look at the list of things that they say that they have learned, it's all about, well, you know, if everyone had just listened to them and obeyed completely, they are under the mindset that, well, if we just had more investment and more jabs to spread around the world, then everything would have been better. Well, if you go on the WHO's website, and it's still there, even though I originally published this back in January of 2024, they have data about, quote unquote, COVID. And I don't trust their data as far as I can throw it, but it's their data. It's what they are using. And they break it down by their regions. They have six different regions around the world, the Americas, Africa, Asia, Europe, so forth. Well, there's actually more people, more human beings in Africa than North and South America combined. But 16 times as many people in North and South America, when compared to Africa, died over the last number of years from COVID. As it's astonishing, the yeah. the high the high tech, you know, Canada, the United States, and and all throughout the Americas, um, there were more deaths in America than any other country. And you have to look at that and say, well, wait a minute. If 16 times more people died with these high-tech interventions, shouldn't we actually be going to look and see what they did in Africa that was 16 yeah. times better? Flip the switch and, and look at it more clearly. Once you realize this is not about health, there's no money to be made keeping people healthy. The money was made by doing these interventions, spending billions, if not trillions of dollars on jabs and drugs and ventilators and remdesivir and all the other many things. Um, not to mention, you know, the economic devastation. If you just simply shift what you think the purpose of these negotiations are from what you think they should be, and I'm with you, but if you shift to what they actually are negotiating, you realize that this is a trade dispute, and it always has been. We didn't get enough jabs, but not only you know, did the poor nations not get enough jabs and drugs and everything else, they didn't have the manufacturing capacity or the access to the intellectual property to profit from this 
business opportunity. Now, the Indonesian health minister a year ago in November was talking about something that the United States had started, which has now become known as the World Bank Pandemic Fund. A little bit um, less than a year ago in December of 2022, Congress passed and Biden signed the National Defense Authorization Act. We pledged a billion dollars a year to build out all of these biological labs and start this process of looking for the next pathogen with pandemic potential. They've already dispersed hundreds of millions of dollars to various nations. What they're actually working on, the United States, the World Bank, and the Defense Department, is not health, but the global health security agenda. It's an idea of dual use research of concern, gain of function by any other means or, or name. If they can find a pathogen that has potential, they can then turn it into another biological weapon, do that mm -hmm. same scaremongering all over again, and you know use that as a profit center. I mean, basically what we're dealing with is pandemic profiteering. The yep. health minister from Indonesia said to the business meetings, the, the B20, um, last year in Bali, he said, look, they have a multi-billion dollar fund. Go invest. This is a great business opportunity. And so, you know, if, if they're allowed to do what they're trying to do, people need to realize that this isn't really an attack on sovereignty. It's not what many people are saying. This is... This is a grand and glorious, you know, mafia, corrupt, RICO, you know, business venture that they're trying to get more investment into the sector that they can drive with government funding to build out the industry that would allow them to profit from the next pandemic and the next pandemic and the next pandemic only because they're driving that because it's so darn profitable. All of the side agendas that may come and tag along with that, um, you know, those are just additional benefits. If they lower the population, if they, quite frankly, make people more ill, that's even better for business. Look at yeah. all of the people who've been harmed, who are getting, you know, care from the people who harmed them. Oh, yeah. The, ins yes. the insanity of not being able to understand that testing and Therapies like drugs and injectables like these so-called vaccines, which are really, you know, biological weapons, these are customer acquisition tools. The more you play that game of testing, drugging, and jabbing, the more likely you are to become a lifetime customer of the pharmaceutical hospital emergency industrial complex. Now, until people individually wake up and realize that when you go to your doctor, and they are supposed to give you information for you to make an informed decision. You always have the right to informed dissent. Yes. No means no. And if someone is coercing you or incentivizing you or you know, putting the fear of God into you, that doesn't count as informed consent. So one of the projects I've been working on, I invite everybody to call me. It's 310-619-3055 is informed 
www.ethicsdescent.com. What I'm working on is with a group of people in Europe and around the world, don't be thinking that this is just Europe. That's just the starting point, but it's everywhere on the planet. Let me ask everybody a question. If you went to your doctor, forget about COVID, right? If you imagine somebody going to their doctor and they get this diagnosis, oh, you've got turbo cancer. Wonder how you found that. Wonder how you got that. Boom. You know, oh, we need a biopsy. We need tests. We need scans. We need, um, you're going to have surgery on Monday or you're going to die, right? That's a sales pitch from somebody who's going to profit from the treatments that they're pushing on you. Yeah. And until you wake up and realize that that's what's happening. They're not really concerned about your health. They don't really know what's going on with your health. They have no even concept that they might have done something to you that actually caused that. Until individual people wake up and realize that they're being scammed by this whole system. And I'll ask a very simple question. Do you know the law that protects you from that kind of scam. Well, the problem is that law doesn't exist. Yeah. And that's what I'm working on as my primary focus to get people to understand that when your doctor or healthcare practitioner lies to you, we need to have stronger laws to enforce against that kind of, quite frankly, terrorism. Oh, yeah. you've got to do this or something bad is going to happen. That's not how informed consent is supposed to be obtained. No. And when those techniques are used, that needs to be a criminal offense. And if you want to work around the world on that with me, give me a phone call, 310-619-3055. Go to informed-dissent, D-I-S-S-E-N-T.com. And let's get started on putting in place the laws that the reason all of this happened is if you want to convict somebody of criminal activity, well, step number one is, well, what law did they break? Yeah. And when, when your doctor lies to you and the media lies to you and, and you know everyone in government lies to you, if there's no law that would find them or cause them to lose their license or their job or, or put them in prison for doing this on a, on a large scale. If there's no law that they're breaking, is it any surprise that they're going to do it again and again and right. again? So I've taken on the project of, you know, it's a large project. I invite everyone who cares to participate. We need around the world to put forth, you know, new legislation in Europe. They have a, system that we don't have in the United States. It's referred to as the European Citizens Initiative. You can go to um, euci.info for information about that. I've written articles about it. If somebody lives in the European Union, you can sign the initiative. Uh, it's signtheinitiative.com. And any of the 27 nations, just put your name in. They need a million signatures over the course of the year to get a seat at the table with the European Commission and the European Parliament. But that's actually a hindrance to their citizen activism. That's what they need to do to get a seat at the table. Every place else in the world, your city, your county, your state, your country, wherever it may be, 
We don't need to do that. We can craft model legislation, take it to your city. I know somebody in Palmdale, California, who two years ago had an ordinance passed, no mandates, no, no, no mask mandates, no drug mandates. Yeah. I mean, no. you can have countywide or statewide or nationwide legislation put in place. We're working with people around the world, and I encourage anybody who wants to participate to, you know, call me up and let's get started. Oh, I'm we, so glad that we, you're doing this. I'm so glad that you're doing this we, because as you're talking, like it's, you, you, I mean, you're, you're saying like, this isn't, this isn't what healthcare is supposed to be about either. I mean, healthcare is supposed to be about uh, keeping people healthy, um, you know, helping people maintain their health, all of that stuff. And you're right. The system is so unbelievably broken and so profit-based it has nothing to do with people or with health or with any of that. It is all about profit. And as you said, creating lifelong customers um, and, that is, it's just so depressing, but it feels so overwhelming to me uh, that because it's such a monster of a system and it is a global system. I mean, yes, you have your individual countries, your individual, uh, you know, the the kind of smaller pockets of it, but obviously it is a global monster. And so it's overwhelming to me to even think about taking that on. So I'm so glad that you're doing this and encouraging people to uh, get involved. And I think that it, you're right. I think uh, starting locally is obviously easier um, uh, starting with your, you know, your, your city or your county or whatever. Um, um, and and raising the alarm and getting people more informed. That's really to me. I think that's the biggest thing, James, is just getting people informed. I think people have no uh, most the the average American person has no idea how the stuff even works. They have no idea what the uh, World Health Organ. I mean, they may have heard of the World Health uh, World Health Organization uh, or uh, all of these different uh, uh, you know institutions. They may have heard of them, but they don't really know what role that they play, what power that they have, how these things are uh, you know formed or manufactured, or how this legislation is written. I think most people just do not have a clue. Um, and I think that that's really the biggest obstacle is just getting people informed about what their rights are, what rights they don't have, and how uh, moving forward they can uh, fight back against this stuff. It's so terrifying to me uh, that there is just this um, uh, monumental power that we are uh, uh, facing here that it, for our health. Like, that's if you don't have your health, you really don't have anything. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I just kudos to you for taking this on. It's overwhelming to me. I can't even imagine uh, attempting. So, and uh, if you want to get involved, please go check out James's work. Please give him a call. I can't believe you give your phone number out. I think more power to you. I would never, <laughs> but uh, uh, I think that it's great. And I think that if you want to get informed, James is your guy. Talk to him. He's willing to talk to whoever uh, and give you the information that you need to fight back against this kind of stuff. Um, so other than uh, your phone number, where, and uh, obviously uh, informed dissent, uh, is it informed dash, like dash? Like a dash? Correct. Descent? Correct. Yeah. Inform dash okay. descent.com or just jamesrogusky.substack.com. And, okay. you know, I, I understand it's overwhelming and confusing. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. conver conversation is how people communicate. It's very difficult, you know, to watch a TikTok video or scroll through something on Instagram or a meme yes. or a text message. Um, I'm quite certain that everybody on the planet can comprehend this if they just take the time to look at it have a conversation with me i'd have a daily zoom meeting that you can um get into everyone is invited uh, every day at 10 a.m pacific time around the world and so um you can sit back on your couch and do nothing and take what they're yeah. giving 
or you can well that's the way i learn i can't if i can't i can't just watch a video i have to be able to ask questions and engage and have a back and forth because there's always a, a million things going on in my head and if i can't flesh those things out it's difficult for me to retain the information so again thank you so much for the work that you're doing and as always i'll tell you you're welcome here anytime to help educate people um so anytime you want to come back feel free to just hit me up and we will get you back on so i'll be back next week with a whole new host of shows uh thank you again james for coming on today as julian assange says learn challenge act now and don't go anywhere timothy shays right after this on tnt radio